everyone. You're listening to the Health and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. These podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions, health tips, and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes I'm interviewing guests. All the time, I hope to share with you information on health and wellbeing with the aim to empower and educate. Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us again today. So today we're going to be talking about eczema and I'm joined with naturopath Haley Stockbridge. So for those who don't know you, Haley, can you t- just talk a bit about yourself and how you got into naturopathy? Sure. So me and Alison actually studied together um, straight from school. We both decided we were going to be a naturopath <laughs> we were quite young, which is a little unheard of in the industry. I know, most people get into the industry once they're in their 50s or so. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So we're lucky because we've got lots of years of experience up our up our sleeves without having to be too old. <laughs> That's right. Um, and I work in two clinics in Sydney, um, one in Manly and one in Stanmore, both quite different in the clinics and the environments and the type of people that I see. Um, but absolutely one of the biggest reasons people come in to see me is for eczema in adults and in kids. And that is because of a blog that I wrote about four years ago um, on eczema that seems to rank really well in Google. And so it's had thousands and thousands of reads and I get weekly emails from people about eczema and um, lots of patients coming in for help with their eczema. And so because of that, I feel that I have a pretty good handle on eczema and how to treat it. It's pretty fail safe these days as to what we need to do to get it um, fixed up. It can just take a little bit of time. So... What's actually happening in someone who's experiencing eczema? Um, like, what's actually happening in their skin? Okay, so we say that people that have eczema have a defective skin barrier. Um, essentially, our skin is made up of three layers of skin cells or epithelial type cells. And then under that, we have a layer of lipids or oils, which is supposed to be the nice watertight barrier that keeps um, the skin nice and moist, etc. Um, people with eczema have leaky skin, I guess. It means yeah. that that watertight barrier isn't really in place, so their skin cells dry out very, very easily. And unfortunately, the dryness leads to an itch, and it means that bacteria get into the skin. And the combination of itching the skin and the bacteria getting in there causes the redness, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. So Mm. um, essentially what we try and do is keep the skin cells keeping as healthy as possible. There is also a huge element of eczema that's um, allergic or atopic, so we usually see it in people that have some degree of allergies or intolerances. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, the food intolerances and allergies, that they can be quite different as well, like intolerances and allergies. But yeah. um, in people with eczema, um, do you find that there are particular foods that they tend to be more reactive to? Um, so I run a food intolerance test with all of my eczema patients, and the three biggest foods that come up are eggs, dairy, um, and then either wheat or gluten. Mm-hmm. So uh, for a lot of people, it's all of those three or two mm-hmm. or one of those three combos. Obviously, there can be all sorts of other foods that come up as well. So yeasts come up. Um, you can get intolerances to things like nuts and seeds and soy products as being quite common as well. Mm-hmm. I do find we need usually to do one of two things. So 
the food intolerance test is useful only because it means you get a piece of paper that just tells us which which food your immune system doesn't like so it's it's a bit easier um, you can also do an elimination style diet where we cut out the foods that are most likely to be the problem so it would mean going wheat and gluten and dairy and yeast and sugar um, and soy and nut <laughs> free for a period of time usually four to six weeks and then introducing foods in one at a time to see which you're reacting to yeah hence the reason why I prefer to go for option one and just run the test because it is a lot easier for people um, and I find that most of the time even just making those food changes can clear up the skin quite easily mm. and it's again because we have such a strong connection between our gut and our immune system and that gut immune system skin link is really important with eczema exactly, exactly yeah. right. and uh, it's it's kind of like if you have one aspect going wrong then the rest of them will suffer as well so when we're looking at treating someone with eczema from a naturopathic philosophy, we need to address all um, sides of that triangle together. Otherwise, if it's not going to, it's not going to really stand uh, the, yeah, the time. So I mean, we could use herbs and, and natural creams to reduce inflammation in the skin, but really they're not even going to touch the sides unless you're working mm. from your food and your immune balance. Yeah, treating, treating the actual cause of the condition as well. And so there are people that do have this genetic um, predisposition to developing the eczema, um, but these, this is usually what's actually going wrong in these people. So, for instance, someone who has the genetic predisposition, they can have that food set them off, whereas someone without that genetic predisposition would be would be fine which I think it's it's difficult for a lot of people to sort of um, say, well, why, why am I reactive and person down the road doesn't and so, well we don't we don't know for sure but mostly yeah. we think it's just it's it's in your genes it is so if you have a family history of it then you're more likely to experience it as well and react in that way exactly and I guess the good part of that is I still find that with a lot of gut work so even if you have intolerances and you have mm -hmm. like environmental allergies if we do a few good months of work on improving your gut flora levels and and making sure that that immune system, essentially, because 80% of our immune system sits in the gut lining, mm. your immune system is so healthy, then you're going to be less likely to have eczema and to have um, your skin dry out. And it means that potentially you'll be less intolerant, mm -hmm. I guess, to some of those foods. So even though initially we do a bit of a washout period where we get rid of all of them completely, it definitely doesn't mean you have to do that for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's just about giving your immune system a bit of a break while we try and get your immune system to be healthier. That must be exciting for a lot of people to hear is that they don't have to cut those foods out forever. <laughs> yeah, as long as they can stick to the plan and get your, their guts working, then... Mm. Usually they can they can tolerate little bits of those foods in the long run. Yeah, but definitely so important to treat the gut. And I think what what's interesting as well is that your digestive system is actually a continuation of your skin as well. So we're kind of like a donut, like as in the skin goes in the mouth and then it continues and then exits out at the anus and then um, so it's a, just like a hollow tube. So it's going to be a reflection. Our skin on the outside is going to be a reflection on the of the integrity of our digestive Very system inside. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, so um, you can you can see what's happening on the outside, but you can't see what's happening on the inside. But for a lot of people who who are experiencing digestive issues, they may experience some bloating or irregular bowel movements, or um, even just like having a little bit of a smelly poos or smelly breath, that sort of thing. Even that can just be a bit of a sign that something's not quite right as well. Yeah. Mm. I mean, so many people walk around with a bit of bloating and a bit of reflux a bit of this and a bit of that and think that it's completely normal. Mm, yeah. Definitely it's a sign that there's more going on. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you, you shouldn't have to put up with that. <laughs> Not at all. I think that constipation is actually probably one of the most um, common factors of in terms of digestive issues that can aggravate eczema as well. And that's probably because constipation is strongly linked with dysbiosis, which is that yeah. imbalance in the good and the bad bacteria. So you've got to get everything moving through so that your gut's less inflamed as well. Exactly. Yeah. So are there any particular um, like groups of people that you find eczema to be more common in or certain times of life? Well, a lot of kids get eczema, as you know, um, yeah. especially around the time that they start introducing solid foods in for the next couple of years is usually when it can be quite bad if it's going to come up. Um, and I think that's just a bit of an adjustment. The body... As a baby, it's just not used to digesting and breaking down these foods and mm. the child's immune system needs a little bit of help, a bit mm. of strengthening. Um, often eczema will be one of the signs that we see. Mm. So it's very common in kids. They will often grow out of it. Um, mm. But what we want is to make sure that their immune system is as strong as possible for the rest of their lives. Yeah. It does tend to be quite common post-pregnancy, I guess, more than during pregnancy. Mm. Um, and that's because your whole immune system takes a little bit of a year and a half to two year turn um, and you become actually a little bit more allergic post-pregnancy mm -hmm. around a year until your immune system settles back down again. Yeah. Um, those are probably the two groups that I find it to be most common in. Yeah. And with pregnancy, I think that's because your immune system actually has to shift from being um, something that would normally fight off foreign invaders while you're pregnant yeah. because you've got this foreign body growing in <laughs> yourself yeah. to all of a sudden like... Um, being able to um, like actually deal with these things, but it's yeah. it's not quite that great at it, so it can become a little overreactive. Exactly right. Yeah. So eczema generally, it, it, I think what I've read is that it affects between eight to twenty-five percent of people worldwide, but um, that's actually increased a lot because in the nineteen forties it would only affect four percent of people. And um, they did a study on some Australian school, um, school students and they found that eczema was affecting about 16% of um, the students. Um, so it's high level. Yeah, pretty high. <laughs> I'm sure that has a lot to do with um, our immune systems generally and antibiotic use in such young kids as well mm. as they say the germ theory and yeah. allergies being that these days we're so conscious of um, bacteria and using antibacterials in our soaps and in our skincare products etc that our immune mm. system isn't learning to to fight off things to the same degree as it was um i do know of a specific study that's found that kids that have less than two colds in the first year of life are 10 times more likely to have something like asthma or eczema as a 10 year old oh wow so actually babies getting sick and sniffly often is actually very good long term because it seems that it sort of teaches their immune systems as to how to balance and how to fight things off later down the track. Um, but we're so conscious of our kids getting sick and we don't let them eat dirt and we 
wrap them up so that they can't, you know, be exposed to too much infection. And there is a lot of theory in that actually if we keep ourselves from getting too sick too often, we might end up with more allergies and more eczema and more asthma. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I think that there's a balance between that, though, is that, like, you don't want them to be so hygienic that they're never going to get sick, but then you, you don't want to sort of say, well, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, if they're getting sick really frequently, then that's not just like Definitely a permission to say, oh, well, at least they're not going to get eczema. <laughs> yeah. So the, the guideline I usually use around that is if your child who's less than two is getting a cold every couple of months and it's lasting three days, then that would be a good sign of a healthy immune system. Mm -hmm. But it should literally be three days from the first sign of cold till it's gone. Mm -hmm. And if that child is sick for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten days, two weeks of coughing, then that's definitely not the sign of a healthy immune system. Um, so you're right, definitely we should highlight that cold <laughs> and flu is really good for kids, but for three days at a time with full recovery after that would yeah. be what I would consider to be normal. And look at the intensity of the colds as well. For instance, like are they actually getting like full-blown ear infections or is it just a bit of a sniffle? Yes, mm. yes, exactly. And children with chronically runny noses as well um, can actually aggravate eczema because the bacteria that's in the nose, Staphylococcus aureus, can actually be the main bacteria that flares up eczema. And so as we know, kids are wiping their noses and their eyes and then like scratching. And so that's where you get that cross-contamination as well. So um, there is some conventional treatments where they will actually um, do um, antibiotics for that yeah. bug for the respiratory system and then that can help with treating the eczema but yes. again um, there, there are herbs and things that we can use to do that in a similar way that's not going to be as strong yeah definitely so um, in terms of kids as well just talking about the early onset there are some probiotics that have been found to be really helpful for treating eczema um, or preventing eczema when taken by mums during pregnancy or during breastfeeding, and that's the LGG bacteria. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a few um, kids-based formulas that are for eczema or for kids' immune health, and they're all based on having this LGG strain of mm. probiotic, which has been shown to reduce atopic or atopy, so that those kids are a little less allergic. And it does make a massive difference. I find that that can alone can sometimes be enough to shift someone's eczema in adults or kids. Yeah, when using it as a treatment form, not just a prevention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, awesome. Okay. So how, how about stress? Does stress um, have a bit of a link with eczema? Like, I guess everything, stress, <laughs> yes, will make it worse. Uh, and it's usually, again, because of the effect that stress has on disrupting our immune balance. So... If you've been running around like a headless chicken and highly worried every single day, um, your body's going to go into a bit of a survival mode and it's going to try and conserve energy to what it thinks is the most important things, which is surviving the day. And things like your poor old digestive health and your immune system don't get, I guess, diverted as much energy. Um, and therefore, you can get eczema. Probably still only going to happen in those people that are already prone to eczema. But yes, it's a big trigger for eczema patients. Yeah, definitely. And the stress hormones that we're making, for instance, the cortisol has an anti-inflammatory effect. And one of the common treatments that they use for um, eczema is cortisone. So yeah. um, that actually works similarly to our body's own cortisol. But what can happen is that we can actually um, have that sort of feed into our stress cycle as well. Yes. And it can make the stress response worse in the long term. Yeah. 
apart apart from actually um, thinning the skin as well. Yeah. Um, cortisone creams um, long term are good for your skin integrity, and they make you more prone to that flaky skin issue yeah. that we were talking about before. I mean, by all means, if you've got super inflamed, weepy, infected skin, perhaps someone will need to use that steroid brace cream for a couple of days to get under control. But ultimately, um, what we want is to be able to not get to that degree, not to have to rely on the steroid cream as a treatment option. Yeah. Um, there's lots of creams that you can use that work very similarly that aren't anywhere near as bad for your skin as the steroid cream. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so by all means, you know, like if you're going to a wedding and you want to um, knock it out for a little bit, then then go for it, but don't rely on it long term. No, yeah. it's not really treating the cause of the condition as we know. Yeah. Alright, so um, how can diet affect eczema? Um, so there's a few kind of facets here, I guess. As, as already discussed, one of the first things I do is check for food intolerances because yep. what you're eating, if you're intolerant to it, can definitely make the eczema worse. Um, but also anything that's inflammatory in nature will make your skin worse. So I will often suggest an anti-inflammatory diet, which is avoiding things like eating too much red meat and too much caffeine and too much sugar and too much um, fatty cuts of meats, no gluten or wheat, no dairy, and eat lots of anti-inflammatory foods, which are things like lots of veggies, lots of fruit, lots of nuts and seeds, heaps of fish. Um, and if we can sort of just tip the scales so you're getting a little more of the anti-inflammatory foods and a little less of the inflammatory foods, that tends to make quite a big difference as well. Beautiful. And um, are there any particular nutri nutrient deficiencies that you tend to look for more with, with eczema or like superfoods for eczema or anything like that? Well, I think zinc would be our number one nutrient that we need to get those skin cells sort of healing and reduce the inflammation in the skin. Um, so we can test and measure zinc levels, but ultimately... It's the difference between being deficient in something and then having extra of something to improve the way something's functioning. So zinc would be probably the number one mm. on top of probiotics. Yep. <laughs> and the third thing that I always use is some essential fatty acids, usually fish oil. Yeah. And that's to try and keep that watertight barrier in the skin as healthy as possible. Plus it's an anti-inflammatory, so it reduces the inflammation in the skin. And so I guess those are my three core things that I do with every eczema patient. A zinc, yeah. probiotic and some fish oil usually goes a long way and I do that in adults, kids, teenagers, everyone um, and they make a huge difference. Yep, same. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tend to use as many herbs in eczema to be honest. Okay. Very occasionally I'll use something like echinacea. Um, I'll sometimes use some of our anti-allergic herbs like albizia or bicol skullcap depending on how, how, someone, how bad someone's skin is and how sort of allergic that person is in general. Um, but apart from them, I don't tend to use huge amounts of the traditional herbs we'd use in eczema. I'm not sure if you use many herbs. I think it, for me it depends on the person. So for instance, like you said, if they're particularly allergic, then I will use a similar formula to what you just described. Um, or if they've got a lot of digestive stuff happening, I might use some, some bitters um, yeah. and some, like some liver herbs to get things moving through. Um, Which is interesting because they have done some studies and found that Eczema sufferers generally have low stomach acid production. Yes. Um, so anything bitter helps a lot. Apple cider vinegar is usually mm. what I suggest as being an easy, cheap option. So like a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar each morning on waking makes yeah. a difference. Diluted and only a teaspoon. Yep. You don't want to go overboard with that. <laughs> I do find lots of people use Dr. Google and over overtake. So mm. they'll start 
taking two, three tablespoons of apple cider vinegar in water in the mornings, which is too much. It's too strong on your throat. Yeah. And um, your teeth. Yeah, terrible thing. <laughs> Um, if anyone wants to l listen to more about digestive health, Haley and I did a digestion podcast a little while ago, so you can find the link to that on my website as well, and that may be really helpful for people who are experiencing eczema because of the link between the gut and the immune system and the skin as well. Absolutely. So check that out. <laughs> but yeah, I love also just like beautiful stress-supporting herbs and anti-inflammatory herbs as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Honestly, I think the biggest difference in eczema comes from the food changes, to be honest, because if someone has that underlying predisposition to eczema, they're going to have it forever, mm. especially if you're seeing them as an adult. And they can't really take their herbs forever, but they can get their diet sorted forever. So I guess it's just a, a better long-term strategy for getting it under control and keeping it that way. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And what about topical treatments? Well, I have two creams that I'll typically use. So absolutely, actually both of them work really well. Um, but the Mugu Eczema and Psoriasis Cream is seriously amazing. Um, they have two types. They have one that's, well, they have one that they call their new Eczema and Psoriasis Cream and their old version. Um, and they contain things like chamomile and aloe vera and anti-inflammatory herbs and um, vitamin E and almond oil and jojoba oil. They're very, very anti-inflammatory. They're very um, antibacterial and um, they have components in there that improve skin cell healing. So they kind of control three elements. The newer version also uses coconut oil, which I think is good for its like antibacterial effects. Mm. Um, and it uses a bit of gochicola and a bit of calendula in there alongside the aloe veras and the vitamin E. So both of those are amazing. There's also another company that makes a cream called Hope's Relief which is more of a herbal cream, mm. so it's a vitamin E base, and I'm fairly sure it's licorice, calendula, gochicola, and something else. Um, it's a really, really thick cream, so it's great for very, very, very dry eczema, mm. um, and that tends to have some really good anti-inflammatory properties as well. It just doesn't have as much of an antibacterial component as the Mugu, but um, I'll usually suggest both to my patients and get them to try both and just see what they think works best. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they're great options. And with the coconut oil, I find that a lot of people can be reactive to that. So maybe do a bit of a spot test before you do go lathering it on all over as well. Yes. And I don't know if most people are aware as coconut oil is the newest thing in the skin, but while it is very moisturizing, it oxidizes in the air. And when you're wearing it on your skin all day long, it sort of smells. So my suggestion is always to, if you're going to use coconut oil on your skin with a moisturizer, to put it on before bed and then mm -hmm. wash it off in the morning when you have a shower. Yeah. It stains the clothes. Your clothes will never get smelling like off coconut. Um, really, that is a very great tip. <laughs> um, I don't know if people are aware that it really it just starts to not smell good by the end of the mm -hmm. day when it's mixed in with your own sort of body and oil components. So yeah. I usually say do it before bed, only wash it off in the morning before you put on your nice work clothes and ruin them all with the coconut smell. Yeah. <laughs> and because it is such a thick oil as well, it's yeah. probably not the best option as a moisturiser. So um, use it as a cleanser and then wash it off, no but idea. maybe not so much as a moisturiser. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
The other thing that I find really helpful topically for eczema is using oat baths. So where you fill up a stocking with some, some oats and you can even put a little bit of sort of dried lavender heads in there as well and then you just tie that to the tap and run a bath through it. And that just can be really soothing for treating the itchiness of the eczema and um, reducing the inflammation. And then what you can do is you can take that stocking off and you can use it as a bit of a, almost like a, a bit of a scratchy tool, but like it's not going to be irritating. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oatmeal bars make a really big difference. Mm. I usually um, get kids to do that. Adults tend to think that they have no time for those types of things. However, in retrospect, it would probably be a great thing for them to do because it would be relaxing mm. for them just at the same time. Definitely. You know, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how we actually have a lot more free time now than we did back in the 19, 1950s, 1960s. We have four more hours leisure time a day. But the difference is that our time is so much more valuable now. So we tend to view it as being much more scarce. So we, um, valuable things we view as being scarce and therefore our time is scarce. But we actually have a lot more hours are wasted on things like television watching and social media. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you can you can play on your phone in the tub if, as long as you don't drop it and electrocute yourself. Exactly. Two birds with one stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Multitasking. <laughs> awesome. So, is there anything else you wanted to add about eczema? Um, I guess just as with most skin conditions, usually for each person there's not just one trigger. Um, it's a combination of getting the immune system right, getting the gut right, making them a little less allergic, um, controlling what you're eating, maybe taking some supplements. And so um, it is a bit hard to take that venture on yourself. It's best to have some guidance. Yeah. Best for you. Definitely. So consult a, a health practitioner like a naturopath or a herbalist or a nutritionist yeah. um, and they can help you. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Because we're not focusing on quick fixes we don't want that eczema to be mm. you know downgraded for a month we want it to be gone forever and it just means that it takes a little bit of work often it's a few months yeah and cha changing your diet is hard and you don't want to just jump I, I find that you don't want to just jump in gung-ho and do it all at once um, so if you can do little bit, bits of changes and a practitioner can guide you with that and also keep you motivated Absolutely. yeah Awesome. So thanks everyone for listening and thank you so much Haley, for joining us today. It's been really um, helpful for everyone I'm sure. So um, if they want to get hold of you, how can they do that? Um, the easiest thing would be to go to my website which is au. Awesome. And people can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au and um, for both of us all our social media links are on there as well. So thanks everyone. See you later. Bye. Bye.